flip over with me to Romans chapter 5. Here's the cool thing, you guys. We knew the Teen Challenge was coming. All this stuff was happening. And the coolest thing about God's Word, for everyone that might be visiting here today and is like, what's the deal? I didn't plan this message. We know this. Everyone that comes to this church knows this. We pick a book of the Bible. We pray about it. And we just go through it, verse by verse by verse. And wherever we are is where we are. And today, we're in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And to me... I'm just so impressed by God every time to just see how much God uses his word uh, for his glory and how much power there is in it. And so I think that this message today is literally the message that we needed for today. And the name of the message, you guys, is we are in process. We're in process. None of us have arrived. Nobody's got it figured out yet. Nobody knows the end yet, do we? Because we're not God. And as we've been making our way through Romans, we just got done. And for some of y'all, I know you're going to be happy about this. Wait one second. I need my coffee, y'all. Sorry. I got to carry this thing around and do nothing with it. You guys, we've been making our way through Romans, and we've been examining God's wrath on sinfulness. And the fact that God is not ever pouring his wrath out on humanity. He's pouring it out on sin. But we also learned this hard, cold fact We're all sinners. We're all screwed up. None of us have got it right. And so the fact is, we looked and Paul said over and over again, hey man, the law is not going to save you. That's not not it. That's not going to be the thing that gets it done. The law can't save you. Instead, the law points to the need for a savior. It points to the fact that we need somebody that's going to do this, that's going to fix this problem. We talked about the fact that we've all been found guilty in God's court, right? And remember, I want you guys to know this, and I I would encourage you all, anytime we start in a book, sometimes this is really hard, so this is a challenge for all of you, but here's the first thing I do when I feel like the Lord's leading us to a book is that I sit down and I read the entire book in one sitting. I just sit down and read the whole book of Romans, the whole letter of Romans. Why? Remember, this is a letter. We've been digging through it little bit by little bit. We've been just chunking away at the letter, just like we did with Matthew for a year and a half, right? We just chunked away at the gospel for a year and a half and just got our way through it. But, but Paul wrote, and I would encourage you, especially when it's a letter from Paul or any of the letters, the epistles, is to read it all in one sitting because that gives you the flavor. And don't get hung up on like, well, I don't have a clue what Paul's saying there. Because remember, Peter said in his letter, hey man, Paul sometimes throws out some stuff that's really, really wicked hard to understand. So you're not alone. Peter's like, yo, I was a fisherman. (laughs) I don't get this junk either sometimes. But can you just like take time to to take it all in? Why? Because guys, thank God we don't stop at God's wrath. That's not the point. But without that section of scripture, without that beginning part of the letter, we would not really have the good news of what we're going to talk about today, which is his grace and his justification you can't get there from here. It's kind of like, I think it's in, uh, you know, uh, Bilbo Baggins, right? Isn't that what it is? Like, away, where, away from here or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. I'm off script, y'all. The fact is, we talked about all these things, God's wrath and all that. And now we're at this place where Paul's going to begin to talk about grace and justification through Jesus. And so let's, let's dig in. Verse 1 in chapter 5 says this. Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand 
and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Therefore, you guys probably have heard this before, but when you see the word therefore, you should always stop and say, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? You always want to kind of look back, especially we do this a lot because when we, we tend to stop on those moments when we're like, oh, there's the end of a thought. Let's stop there. That's a good stopping point. And so then the next week we jump into a therefore. Well, what is he talking about? Well, he's continuing this thought that he started at the end of chapter four. So let's go back. Romans chapter four, verse 23 says this. Now it was not written for his sake. Whose? Abraham. Remember, he was talking about this idea that Abraham was justified by faith before the law. Before circumcision, before all this stuff, he was just doing his thing and God was like, man, I'm going to make a crazy nation out of you, right? And we looked at the fact that Abraham's like, how? I'm an old man. How's that going to work? My wife, she's never had a kid. Like, God, this makes no sense. And God's like, well, I'll show you. And he did it. And so here's Paul saying, now, if it was not written just for Abraham, not for just his sake, and it was imputed to him, this righteousness, this, this good standing with God was imputed to him. Why? Because of the faith that he had in what God was doing. But verse 24 says, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses, because we're screwed up. We put him on the cross. And listen, nobody's sin is better or worse than the others. So let's get that out of our minds. Your sin is ugly and sinful, just like everybody else's. So you're not like, I'm worse than all of you guys. I'm so prideful. I'm going to tell you how much worth I am. No, that's not true. But on the other side, it's not that way either. Like, all I do is gossip. Well, you scummy sinner, just join the rest of us. You're just as sinful, right? Verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification, you guys. That word justification is huge. So what's he saying? Jesus lived this perfect life. He died for all of us and he rose again in three days, just like he kept talking about the entire way through the book of Matthew. For anyone that's here that still does not believe that Jesus is who he says he is, you're crazy. I love you, but you're crazy because the reality is no other human in the entire existence of the world has been like, yo, I'm coming to die and you'll see me in three days. He did it. It's been witnessed by so many people, you guys. And listen, if you're here today and you're like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Not just the Bible. Do you understand that we have Roman documents that say things like that? That say that this guy, Jesus, was walking around. We have other, like, they, <laughs> it's just, listen, you have to bury your head in the sand to not understand the truth of this. And that's the decision I want to put before the church every single day. Because guess what, Christian? Just because you're saved doesn't mean you need, don't need to understand that more as well. If a God is powerful enough to raise himself in three days, he's powerful enough to do anything he wants in your life. Are you ready to accept it and walk in it? It's awesome. So you guys, it's the only way that we have right relationship with him is through this work that Jesus did. We are justified in God's sight. That's huge. That word, you guys, you guys understand there's sanctification and there's justification. Justification, there's this kind of cheesy phrase that I kind of don't like, but it works, right? When things are cliche, we know that they're cliche because everyone's like, oh, it's kind of groaning, you know, you're like, eh. but then at the same time, you're like, but it's true. So justified means just as if you've never sinned. 
That's what justified means. It's just as if you had never, ever sinned. Is that true? No, that's where the word sanctification comes in. (laughs) Sanctification is this, you guys. Sanctification is what we're doing when we're walking with God. We've accepted Christ. We're walking this out, man, and we guess what? We stumble. And man, praise God that, man, for most of us, some of that stuff just falls away right away in the beginning. I've talked to people that had drug addiction, and man, the day they got saved, it just disappeared. They didn't have any desire for it. That's awesome. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. I had to walk through some of that stuff, the work of sanctification for alcohol and different things in my own life that I was like, man, I don't know. I still kind of like that. And so you just kind of keep doing these silly things until God's finally like, are you done yet? Have you hit bottom yet? How drunk do you want to get? I mean, we can keep going down this path, but it's not, not good for you. It's not fun. You know? And so we're walking through this stuff, you guys. That's sanctification. The coolest part about the sanctification walk is as we walk and we fall flat on our face, Jesus is like, come on, man, get up, let's go, let's keep walking. And you keep walking, that's the walk. Justification, though, is that promise that we hold on to. You guys got to remember, God is omnipresent. You guys know what that means? It means this, he is everywhere at all times, all the time. That all the time part matters. That's how we get to justification. Do you know how God sees us? He sees us in heaven already done. I'm thankful for that, you guys, because I know me, and when I look in the mirror, I don't see that. I'm like, oh, Lord. And the older that I get, the more I'm like, I like that I got bifocals because I can take them off, and I'm a little bit more blurry when I look in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? I'm th- <laughs> Dude. Justification, legally found innocent, even though we are all guilty. Because Jesus took upon himself the penalty for our sins. You guys, we have all of this. Why? Listen, that, what does that bring to us? What does justification bring? It brings peace with God. We're at peace because he did the work for us and we have accepted it. And listen, I need you to hear this. It's an important point. Too many people in this world want peace with God when things are going bad, don't they? Maybe that's with some of you. Before you accepted Jesus, maybe you were like in the moment of a test in high school, and you're like, oh, God, help me. I don't even know who you are, for real, because I don't have a clue, but I'm like, please, man upstairs, give me a, do, me a, do me a solid. Help me out. Anybody say prayers like that? You reach out to the man upstairs for a little assistance. Some people want the peace of God to get them out of some type of trouble. Most of the time, though, and this is the sad part, people want peace with God without the hassle of accepting the only way to get peace with God. You cannot have peace with God without knowing God. You can't have peace with God. And listen, knowing God is not just you figuring out your own way. It's by definition, it's kind of ridiculous to think about it because if God, if you're here today and you're like, man, God, I want peace with you, God, but I want to do it my own way, well, then you're not praying to God. Because God is bigger than you. God is your creator. God did everything. God gives you the breath in your lungs. There's nothing, listen, God gave us gravity so we can stand here and keep talking. Right? If God wanted to, he'd be like, and stop the earth for a few seconds, and we would just be like, "Ah!" he could do that. God is the only thing that holds all this together. 
if we get that in our mind, do you understand that we're never going to go to God and be like, you're going to do it my way, God? No, quite the opposite. We go to God and we say, God, how do we do this? How do we get in right relationship with you? And he made the way right here. Jesus, he sent himself down to this earth to live this perfect life that we, none of us, could ever live to die, to pay for all of our sin in one fell swoop, all of humanity, past, present, and future, it's all paid for. And then he rose again in three days to be like, there, I did it, right? Like, guys, that's it. We had a brother get saved here three weeks ago. Would you be in prayer for him? I'm not gonna name his name for his own protection, but just, just pray that God would get a hold of him because I, I had let him know the same thing I let everybody know that gets saved in this church that I'm like, now it's gonna get hard. You ready? Because we know that's what happens and that's what he's going through right now is the turmoil of that. And so the thing is, you guys, is that, man, we accept Christ. That's when the peace comes in. But here's where I was going with that. Here's what he told me on the week he got saved. He said, I felt the warmest hug I've ever felt in my life. And I'm like, yep, I get it. Any Christian here knows it's, there's peace that just floods into your life that you can't explain. And no other person is going to be like, man, let me explain it to you. Let me, let, let me help you understand. Even though that's our job, we go out into the world, we tell people about Jesus, and we live our lives in such a way that it shines Christ out. That is our job, but you're never going to get that done. Only the Holy Spirit can do that, right? And so as the Holy Spirit does that in someone's life, it's like a really warm hug. I love that explanation of it. But the fact is, you guys, we've got to do that. It's, and I need you to hear this, Christians. Accepting Jesus and his work on the cross is not a one-time prayer, even though that's where it starts. We have a lot of that in the church today too, don't we? I said a prayer, now I can go live like hell. No. Yeah, it's not like that, you guys. It begins with a prayer. Romans tells us, right? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. I believe that. I don't doubt it because God said it. But here's the thing, you guys. The idea of that, confessing that he is Lord. Again, if God is God, do you know what the word Lord means? Boss. More than boss, master, ruler. You don't get to say to your master, your ruler, all right, we're good, right? Cool, bye. That's not how that works. If he says jump, you should be asking how high. If he says, give up all your comforts here and go move to a third world country to be a missionary, guess what you should say? Cool, let's do it. If he says work the rest of your life in that job that you kind of can't stand, because I got one guy that I'm getting ready to talk to you to use your life, to talk to that person's life so that I can bring him into the kingdom too. Guess what you should say? Cool, Lord. I'm ready to do that too. There's not one thing that God doesn't want to do uh, through us. We just need to be obedient and that's the process. We're in that process, you guys. Luke tells us as this whole point that our whole existence is changed when we accept Christ. Flip over with me to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. You guys know this passage. Listen to that. It says this. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That doesn't mean you die but it does mean you die to the flesh. You die to your own way. 
It says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes into his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. You guys, it's pretty hardcore words. Christian, our salvation is not a one-time prayer, and it doesn't mean you just get to go do whatever the heck you want for the rest of the week, every week. No, you guys. And coming here, by the way, is not a check block that you're just checking so that you're like, God, my God, for the week. All right, bye. No, man. The whole point of our walk with the Lord is to be transformed, to walk out that sanctification walk with the hope and knowledge that we are justified before him, and he's waiting for us in heaven. As a matter of fact, we're already in heaven according to him. We just haven't arrived yet in our own minds. Don't ask me to explain that. I can't. You guys, he's our boss. We seek to be obedient. And here's the deal. This is the most beautiful thing. When we screw it up, and we will, his grace is sufficient for us. And it's only through all that that we end up living in this peace with God. So Christian, if you're here today and you're like, I'm not feeling at peace. You're talking about, Pastor. Well, listen, I'm not acting like you've got some crazy sin in your life. I have no idea. So don't anybody come up to me later and be like, man, what the heck? What are you trying to say? Here's what I am saying, though. You guys, if that's something that's in your heart, can I just encourage you to go back to your God, who's the only way you're going to find peace, and pray to him and say, Lord, what is going on? Like David, Lord, is there anything in me? Any wicked way in my heart? Is that what's going on here, Lord? Have I just not spent enough time with you in the word? Is that what it is? I mean, who knows what it is, but I do know who does know. God, go talk to him. I promise you he wants to pour that peace back out on your life. He wants to pour his peace into our lives. You guys, we're not going to understand the peace of God without a life that is submitted to him. One that gives lordship of Jesus over our lives. It's a beautiful promise. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. It says, and not only that, but also we glory in tribulations. Yes. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Man, Paul gives us this amazing truth. Guys, you can walk in peace with God. You've accepted Jesus. You've got God's peace. You're justified. It's like you've never sinned in his sight. It's awesome. Are you still a sinner? Yes. Are you still going to screw things up? Yes. But that sanctification walk is something you're all on, and you can hope and trust that God's got this, and that you are filled with that hope. And then he goes a step further. And I got to tell you, I don't know about you, This is hard to get our head around, isn't it? What's he say next? Not only are we promised grace and peace through grace and peace through God, through Jesus, right? But wait, there's more. You can also glory in tribulations. Call now. Isn't that kind of what it's like? It feels like a bit of a pitch, and you're like, wait, what? Like, Monty, can I just take what's behind door number one and just leave it at that? Like, I don't want to know what's behind door number two. Is that kind of what you get out of this? The fact is, you guys, it sounds pretty counterintuitive, doesn't it? How could we ever glory in tribulations? Well, let's look at it. Tribulation in the Greek here literally means this, pressure, stress. 
a cause of great trouble or suffering. That's kind of the definition of tribulations here in the Greek. So, who has tribulations in this world? Raise your hand. <laughs> everybody. You guys, everybody's got tribulation. Everybody. It's why we see and why I always kind of come against this idea of the health and wealth gospel that tells us that like, man, when you follow Jesus, everything's going to be peachy and there's going to be rainbows and unicorns. And man, I didn't, I've never seen that in my life. Have you? And I don't think it has anything to do with my level of faith. As a matter of fact, God's word here is saying we should glory in these tribulations. Why? Because there's a good thing that comes out of it. The fact is we can't escape tribulation here on earth. So why do we glory in them? Why do we glory in our tribulations? I think there's a few ways, Christians, that we can look at this, that we can see glory in our tribulations. As a Christian, hear this. If you're here today and you're not a believer, can I tell you, this is as good as it gets for you. This is as close to heaven as you will ever see in your life if you never accept Jesus, because hell awaits. And if I were you, that should fill you with the same terror that it fills me with. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. But again, if God's God, he said, look, man, I've made a way for you to come and be in right relationship with you. And if you choose not to have that, I am a gentleman and I will give you what you've asked for. And what you've asked for is separation from me. And that place is nothing but torment. That's the truth. But as a Christian, do you know why we can glory in these tribulations here? Because, guys, this is the worst it gets for us. This is as bad as it will ever be. This is the closest to hell we will ever, ever feel for the rest of eternity. That's why Paul can say these momentary light afflictions. And for some of you guys, you're like, yeah, I've had some serious afflictions. But in light of eternity, there's no time in eternity, but for the sake of the argument, a thousand years in eternity... If I come up to you and say, in light of all that you've experienced, in light of eternity, how was the worst tribulation you had on earth? And I think all of us are going to be like, pretty momentary, pretty light. Not minimizing what we go through here. Hear me, I'm not, I'm not minimizing. And I'm saying, if we keep the proper context, if we understand that, yes, we can glory in tribulations, it's because we have a hope for something so much more, so much more. And this is the worst it will ever be for you, Christian. Another reason that I think we can glory in tribulations is that he uses those for his glory. He works all things together for good to those who love him. Romans 8, 28, we're going to hit that in a couple months, right? <laughs> Some of you guys, everybody's laughing, and a couple people are like. <laughs> you know what else? Flip over with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. The other reason we can glory in tribulations, guys, is because he uses those things to grow us up in faith. He grows us up. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10 says this. But may the God of all grace, who called, who called us to his eternal... Wow, start over. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, 
and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You guys, God uses our tribulations in our lives to grow us up spiritually. There's something about tribulation that forms in the heart of a Christian. You guys can flip back over with me to Romans. That forms into the heart of a Christian a cry for heaven, doesn't it? When you're in the midst of really garbage situations and you've got stuff in your life, and listen, sometimes it is just the enemy coming against you and and just nailing you to the ground. Sometimes that's what it is, but Christians, I don't ever want to give the enemy more credit than he's due. Sometimes I'm just being an idiot. Sometimes I'm like, God, I shouldn't have been doing 80 on this on the thing. And so when I wrecked, I really smashed my car to bits. That's not the enemy wasn't like, hey. No, I'm like, I like doing 80. I'm going 80. Do you get it? When the speed limit's 50. I wish I could say I don't do that, but I do. So pray for me, you guys. <laughs> ah, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners, right? You guys, it forms in us a cry for heaven, but it also builds a spiritual maturity that will not come otherwise. Spurgeon, got a Spurgeon quote. Spurgeon said this, a Christian man or woman should be willing to be tried. He should be pleased to let his religion, or I'm gonna switch the word out because that's an old school word, relationship with the Lord. Should let his relationship with the Lord be put to the test. There, says he, hammer away if you like. And then this last statement, which is just Spurgeon-esque, punch in the gut. Do you want to be carried to heaven on a feather bed? Woo! This tribulation, you guys, what does Paul say here? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Another way to say that is endurance, right? How does stress and pressure produce endurance? Well, a couple quick examples. An athlete right? If you look at the Olympics, how long do they train? A long, long time, right? I know Michael Phelps lived in a barometric house. Did you guys know that? He lived in a house that had lower oxygen levels so that whenever he was in the water and he came up out of the water and he would breathe in oxygen, that was higher levels of oxygen than he was, his body was used to, which guess what? Would put strain and pressure on his body, didn't it? But guess what? Whenever he breathed in oxygen, all the other guys were huffing and puffing and he's like, whoa, this is good. And so he just crushed everybody. (laughs) An athlete will put their body under great stress. Why? So they can endure during the actual event. I know that you Patriots fans right now aren't seeing that, but my Eagles, (laughs) my Philadelphia Eagles are crushing it. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Listen, you guys had your time. That's all I got to say. I'm a little antagonistic. You guys, another way that I see these stresses and things growing us up, I mean, this is a really cheesy example, but it's the only one I could come up with. Here's the deal. There's this life thing that we do and we walk through. But when we're little kids, when we're five years old, do you guys remember going out to recess? What is recess for? It's because your little minds can't handle that much pressure and stress and you can't learn that quickly and you need a break. I would hope. That for all of us that are adults and have jobs that we're not like, hey, teacher, I need at least a half an hour of recess every 20 minutes. <laughs> We've grown up. We can deal with more pressure and stress than we could as a five-year-old, right? 
That is the process that we all walk through. And so Paul's going on here to say, look, these tribulations, these trials that we go through, these things that happen in our lives produce that endurance in our lives. It produces perseverance. And what does that produce in us? Character. Do we see the rhythm? Tribulation produces perseverance, which builds character. Can I say it in reverse? We can't have godly character without perseverance, which we cannot get except through tribulation. Look, it means this. I need you to hear this. We should say to our good God, guide me through these needed tribulations. Needed tribulations. Who wants to pray that prayer? Not me, not my flesh. No, I would rather get to heaven on a feather bed, sort of. But in my own spiritual walk with the Lord, I'm like, not at all. Not at all. And here's the coolest thing, you guys. I know I'm running short on time. I've only got another 25 minutes. The fact is, you guys, is I want to see God's character growing in me. I want to see God's character growing in us as a church. I want us to be able to go out into the world and not have to question, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? Because guess what? Our character just reflects the Holy Spirit's life, work in our lives. How does that happen? Through time and tribulation, through that walk of sanctification. It doesn't mean that every tribulation you're going to be like, oh, and walking through it and being like, I'm walking on water and everything is fine. No, you're going to fall flat on your face into the dirt and the mud like the rest of us. Sometimes. But the character that's developed in you means that guess what? The next time that same tribulation comes your way, that God allows it in your life, hopefully, Lord willing, you're going to be able to walk around it and be like, yeah, God, I got that one. And guess, guess what he does then? He loves you so much. He's like, well, here's a bigger mud puddle, friend. Get ready. <laughs> God is good. He loves you. For you guys. You have the privilege and the blessing to be sitting in this situation right now, but the world awaits. And my prayer for you guys is that you learn everything you can, that you grab hold of all this stuff because it's going to be hard, and you know that. You probably know that better than all of us. But God is big, and God is faithful. Amen? He is super faithful, and he does the same thing in all of us. He develops our character to reflect God, and we cannot figure that out on our own, you guys. The biggest way I see that is like this. God is like a master blacksmith. He knows what he's doing. He can craft the ugliest, hunkiest, just twisted piece of metal into a beautiful sword. He can do that. How does he do it? Through fire, cold water, and pounding on us. <laughs> Yay! That's tribulations, you guys. That's what he uses. He uses that stuff to pound us into shape, to get us shaped up. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying God's up there pounding on us to bring us pain or hurt. That's not, I hope you guys understand that. The analogy sort of breaks down as every analogy does. But the heart of, of God is to use the things in our lives, every bit of it, to bring his good about. And part of that good for us, you guys, is that we grow and, and, and become closer and cleaner images of Jesus, which is the goal. It's where we're heading. And so, you guys, he shapes us into this usable tool this shiny sword, if you will, that reflects the image of the creator to everyone around. And the more we get a hold of this truth, you guys, I think the more we can have what he says here because he says that all this stuff, this you know, tribulation producing perseverance, perseverance producing character, and character then gives us hope. We can hope that the God of the universe loves us so much that he's never gonna stop his work on our lives on this side of heaven, but he already sees the finished product just like a good artist does. 
He knows what it is. Michelangelo, I, I have read that Michelangelo already saw the, pin, fit, the, the painting finished before he started it, and I think that's exactly how God is, except he doesn't have to imagine the painting finished. He's outside of time. He sees the finished painting. We don't get to see it until we get to heaven, but we are always in process. We are always in process, and the joy of this all is this, you guys. God will never give you, now hear this, a lot of people preach and say, God will never give you more than you can handle. The more you study that, here's what it actually says. God will never give you more than he can handle. Which means he can handle a whole lot more than you. And so you might go to him and be like, ah! You ever prayed that prayer? <laughs> I have. You know he's up there and he's saying, come on, man, keep walking. It's okay. It might be getting deep, but I promise you I'm not going to let you drown. I'm with you. We've got this. Let's just keep walking. If you fall under, I'm going to pick you up. It's okay. Keep moving. Keep moving. You guys, he loves us so much, he's not done working on us. And I'm so thankful for that. And how does it all happen? Not in our own strength. We will never, listen, a hunk of metal is never going to become a beautiful sword on its own. It requires work. And that is not a work that that hunk of metal is going to be like, <laughs> no, a sword that a Marine carries around is something that's been fashioned it's been shaped. It's been molded into this beautiful thing that they hold in their hand. God wants that to be for our lives too. He wants to use our lives. Listen, if you're not cool with the sword thing because you're like a pacifist, then you'll be made into a wonderful silver spoon. <laughs> don't want to leave anybody out here. Pastor said I'm a sword. I don't like that. Okay, you're a spoon. fact is, you guys, if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus yet, I need you to hear this. There is a God and you are not it. It's just the facts. And he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die and rise again for you. And that's, that's it. So you've got, to, you've got to deal with that before the day you die. The only unforgivable sin in all of the Bible. I am late. The only unforgivable sin, you guys, is this. Not accepting the work that Jesus did on the cross. That's it. If you don't do that and you take your last breath... He's going to give you what you ask for, hell. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I need you to take a moment. I want to encourage you to rethink your situation in life. I think sometimes for all of us, we can forget to hope. We can forget to glory in our tribulations. But the fact is, you guys, I praise God that he doesn't see fit to let us get to heaven on a feather bed. God wants to grow us up. Church, are we ready to be grown up? That's my hope. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, that uh, people are gracious with me, Lord, and give me extra time. Father, I'm thankful for these men that have come today, Lord God, and just poured out their heart, Father, and the very heart that they're speaking with, Lord, you know that's the heart that GBC wants, Lord God. We want to see you, uh, God. We want to come in and be real, Lord, and take off the plastic pieces, God, and just be who we really are, dirt, grime, sin, and everything, Lord God, and just be who we are, Father, so that you can begin the process, God, just like these men have said, Lord God, of sharpening iron, Father, through each other, and God, through your word, more importantly. Father, I pray, Lord, that that would be our hearts, God. And Lord, I do pray, most of all, Father, would you drop a bomb on this area, God, of just your love, your mercy, and your grace, Father, and would you do that through us, God? We are asking you for a revival in this place. God, we want to see you move. 
We want to see change, God, and we know that that isn't the feeling. Lord God, that's not just something, Lord God, that we womp up on our own. We can't. Holy Spirit, you've got to do a work in us. It starts with us. And God, we know that it begins with a heart of obedience and submission. God, would you do that work in us? Lord, if there be someone here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would not walk out of here without grabbing up somebody and saying, tell me more about this Jesus guy. Lord, that they would want to know you and all that you've done, God, because you are literally it. You are our ride or die. You're the thing, Lord God, that we hold on to with, with, with both hands, God, and just hold on to for dear life, holding and knowing, Lord God, that you are it. You're it. You're the only way. God, move in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.